This is California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. This episode, we're visiting the Greater Palm Springs area. We'll talk with designer Danny Daisy, who you might know from the Discovery Plus show Trixie Motel, about what makes Palm Springs the ultimate design city. They really just treasure and love design, and it's made the city so unique. And like even outside of the amazing architecture and design, it's a gorgeous space. There's mountain views everywhere you go in the city, and it's just so peaceful. After that, we'll meet Michael Healy, the master pianist who treated us to the music you're hearing right now. Michael plays Rat Pack era tunes and more most nights in Palm Springs. And Greg Purdy tells us about the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, which is celebrating its 60th anniversary, taking visitors up Mount San Jacinto. That's all coming up on California Now. Thanks to its abundant mid-century modern architecture and major events like Modernism Week, my next guest calls Palm Springs the ultimate design city. Danny Daisy is known for her work on the Discovery Plus show Trixie Motel, now on HBO Max. In it, she works alongside famed drag queen Trixie Motel to renovate a Palm Springs motel to be kitsch, elevated, pink, and in drag. Danny's a fashion and interior designer which is a little unconventional, but that totally fits my aesthetic. She has places in LA and Palm Springs that have gotten a lot of attention. Her design is so playful and so colorful. She's the only designer I could find that's on my wavelength. Danny is here now to talk about the show and what makes Palm Springs the perfect place for a design aficionado's weekend getaway. Welcome to California Now, Danny. Thank you so much. What an intro from both you and Trixie. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, for folks who have never been to Palm Springs and don't know much about design, I want to start with this. What is modernism? Modernism was an era in design where they really focused on building beautiful, inspiring spaces that were very simple and very much about the architecture. And Palm Springs is really the hub of where all these famous architects were innovating and designing and creating these really unique spaces. Now, this might be a challenge, but for listeners who have never seen Trixie Motel or been to your Instagram, how would you describe your style? So my style is very maximal, very (laughs) colorful. I'm not afraid to take risks and have fun with design. And, you know, with a background in fashion, I feel like I really take that knowledge into designing interiors as well. You know, looking at your Instagram, it's kind of like an explosion of colors and patterns, but super elegant. And it just all works. It's really gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a balancing act to go really bold with prints and colors, but also make them work and be harmonious together. So it's a challenge, but I love it. And you definitely like pink. (laughs) Yes, I do. I mean, when this job (laughs) fell into my lap, I was blown away. Not only do I love pink, but I love Palm Springs and I love vintage design and really breathing life into mid-century spaces. So let's talk about Trixie Motel for a minute. What was it like starting conversations about potentially taking on the project, you know, both as a designer and as part of the show? 
Well, it was funny when they first reached out to me, a casting director found me. They were like, her style's so similar to Trixie's. This is amazing. I guess they auditioned like a bunch of other designers and Trixie and David, Trixie's partner, ended up choosing me in the end, which was just, I mean, one of the most amazing opportunities. As a lover of vintage design, Palm Springs, and like everything kitsch, there couldn't be a cooler project for me. Yeah, I mean, and the final result, I mean, is just amazing. I mean, what you've done with the place is just, it's just gorgeous and so appropriate for you know, the mid-century modern motel. I mean, you just really bring it to life and kind of bring it up to date, but you're true to like its roots. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to stay true to the mid-century design. I have understood from working a lot with Modernism Week, like we've hosted events at our house. I've worked a lot with like Atomic Ranch, which is like the top mid-century publication. And I understand how much the mid-century purists care about keeping things original and keeping Mm -hmm. the vintage elements intact. So that was something I really wanted to do with the Trixie Motel while also bringing in that new breath of life and kind of more elevated current design. Uh, I really also wanted to honor the original design. I loved the beamed ceilings. Like I wasn't going to touch that. I loved the glass mm-hmm. block. I liked the little tiles, pink tile in the, the bathroom. So it was a fun balancing act, deciding what we want to bring to our current century and what we wanted to keep intact. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Modernism Week. Uh, for people who aren't familiar What is Modernism Week and why is it a big deal? It's definitely the biggest gathering and celebration of mid-century modern architecture and design in the world. And it's in Palm Springs. It's twice a year. They have a fall and a spring show. And all these uh, gorgeous mid-century homes open their doors for tours. They have talks about architecture. It's just incredible. And it's like a big celebration of modernism and There really is no other city in the world that has as many modernist homes per capita than Palm Springs. Like it really is the hub. It's just such a cool place. There's nowhere else like it in the world. Like a small, unique city in the desert known for design. Right. And the fact that you can actually go into people's homes and just, you know, be able to see what it's like inside. And so many people just really stick to the modernism kind of aesthetic with the furniture and everything else. So it really, it's just so cool for anybody into design. It is so fun. Some of these homes are absolutely unbelievable, like pools that go indoor and outdoor, (laughs) vintage tile mosaics, gorgeous stuff. Like people are not afraid to go for it in Palm Springs (laughs) and they love color and they love print and they love fun design. That is so cool. You know, one thing that makes the show uh, so interesting is you only have like a few months to pull off this whole renovation of the motel. And your budget isn't shoestring exactly, but it's also not millions. So how did those constraints affect your process? The constraints of the renovation and the show were 100% real Mm. and seemingly impossible. Like when they first told us the budget and the deadline. And listen, I love a challenge and I'll, (laughs) you know, brave forward and put on a positive face for whatever. (laughs) But in the back of my head, I was like, this is really unrealistic. And Mm. I hope they know that. But somehow we pulled it off. It was 
It was one of the most stressful, exciting, like every single emotion in the four and a half months that we mm. fully renovated this motel from zero to a hundred. Talk about pulling it off. I mean, you pulled it off with flying colors, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you posted a video uh, captioned Demo Day when your renovation TV show is also a drag TV show. <laughs> and you're modeling a pink hard hat, pink tool belt, pink gloves, pink work boots, and even a pink crowbar. <laughs> I mean, I think it speaks to, you know, having fun and also kind of balancing, you know, working on the show. So can you talk about that, that a little bit? I mean, what was so fun about this project is Trixie is as ridiculous as I am. Like, when it comes to, I mean, my background's in fashion design. I have a clothing line. I'm a print designer. So I like to not only make my spaces really bright and maximal and colorful, like that's how I dress. That's how I live my life. Maximalism is a lifestyle. And Trixie <laughs> is very much the same way. She loves prints. She loves color, vintage design, pink. So I was just like the perfect designer to dress up in a pink hard hat. And, <laughs> and I went and got the pink work boots without even knowing that Trixie was like getting the pink work boots. Like that's oh, how that's Kismet, <laughs> our collaboration on this was. Oh, that's hilarious. She's like your sister from another mister. A hundred percent. It really felt like that. <laughs> we were so on the same wavelength. And even with Trixie and David, I'm just so happy that their style and what they like is so similar to mine that the design process was fairly seamless. Like they were pretty much on board with all my ideas, which is so rare. Of course, there was a little pushback and, you know, messing around with color schemes, but we were like all on the same page when it came to what we wanted for the rooms. And they really gave me so much free reign when it came to design. I got to design custom furniture. I got to design a custom print for each themed room. Wow. You know, it's hard to find themed wallpaper that perfectly matches your color scheme. And luckily, I'm a print designer. So we were able to build all of that from scratch and do a custom mural that I designed and painted for each room. So the rooms are really, really custom. And they let me go wild. Dream project. Yeah, right? <laughs> a lot of people are involved in the show, uh, from Iggy Azalea to Zoe Deschanel. I, how did you get the mayor involved? Trixie? Trixie has a pool. That girl is famous. <laughs> she has such a big fan base. Everyone knows who Trixie Mattel is. And a lot mm. of those celebrities were personal friends of Trixie's. So that's how she was able to get like Iggy on the show, Juno Birch, a lot of the people. Everyone loves Trixie. It was really easy to yeah. get people on the show. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's great. Now, I have to tell you, our producer, Kate, is a big fan of the show and of you. Um, she's, yeah, she's 20-something years old, lives in Southern California, and kind of needs your help planning the ultimate Palm Springs design fan getaway. Yes. So would you be game to help Kate kind of map out her itinerary? Oh, absolutely. There's so much to do in yeah. Palm Springs. Great. Okay, so so what makes Palm Springs such a destination for people who care about design? So Palm Springs... It's really, like I said earlier, unlike anywhere else in the world, like you won't find a bench that's not painted and made unique and special. And they really just treasure and love design. And it's made the city so unique. And like even outside of the amazing architecture and design, it's a gorgeous space. There's mountain views everywhere you go in the city, palm trees everywhere. The city is so well maintained and it's just so peaceful. 
And like, it gets hot in the summer, but you're by the pool most of the time. And in the winter, it's just the perfect 70 degree, gorgeous day. It's such a special place. And that's why the world loves it. People, it's world famous. This little city is world famous. Yeah. And so, okay, so let's talk about like particular places to go. Of course, there's the there's the Trixie Motel. Um, what other destinations w- should be on, you know, a design aficionado's radar? I mean, the right time to go would definitely be during Modernism Week. That's where all these mm-hmm. people open their doors. You can see some of the most unbelievable homes. Most of them are decorated, really gorgeous. So that's for sure a go-to. Also, a lot of the city is built around hotel life. It's a tourist city. That's how it was built. It's been like that since my mom lived there. My grandpa worked in hospitality. And, you know, people from L.A. would go out to Palm Springs in the 50s, 60s. And that's why mid-century was so popular. And it was such a boom for Palm Springs. But a lot of the city is built around hospitality. And the hotels are so cool. And we like to go eat, get coffee, hang out in the hotels. Like, go to the Parker. It's absolutely gorgeous. Go get brunch at Nora, go check out the Ace. It's such a fun spot. A lot of these hotels you can go in and see for yourself, like the Saguaro. It's super funky, colorful, just really impeccable design. And all these spaces really care about design and each of them has their own unique perspective and take. So really explore the hotel scene. Yeah. And I mean, you can explore it just by kind of like, you know, going into the lobby, but also, you know, Dining at their restaurant, which is really a exactly. nice way to kind of spend some, you know, time enjoying the cuisine, but also just enjoying what they've done with the interior and everything else. They all have bars, coffee shops, spaces you can enjoy. The rooftop of the Rowan is gorgeous for a view of the city. It's the tallest building in the city. You can go to the high bar up there and just see the whole city. It's super cool. That's great. What what else? What are some other like essentials Kate has to do when she's in the Palm Springs area for a few days? So I love the Palm Springs Art Museum. It is top tier, like the quality of a major metropolitan city. It's so fun. We love going to the museum. There's amazing hiking trails, like the Takowitz Canyon Trail. You hike up. I think it's a two-mile loop. There's a waterfall at the end. Like there's so many natural beauties in Palm Springs as well. Right now they have the giant Marilyn art piece in downtown. There also Mm. is um, the baby installation. It's so, it's right next to the Marilyn, these giant babies with like barcodes stamped into their faces, like statues, (laughs) really fun art. Like Palm Springs is known for art as well. So there's just art all around the city. Um, Really amazing restaurants, food. It's such a fun place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's drill down on the food a little bit. Uh, what's a place that you would recommend for dinner? So for dinner, we love Booze Hounds. It's also a really fun designed space. Um, they have dinner. They have brunch. It's super cute. What kind of food is it? So it's sort of like a fusion, American fusion fair. They also have really fun cocktails and they also have food for your dog. And it was kind of (laughs) built to like, they have like the indoor, but they have a huge outdoor patio and it's sort of like a bring your dog type of place. You don't have to, but that's part of the whole like little kitsch of it. 
All right. So how about another place for dinner? Another recommendation? So Berva is so good. It's like outdoor, mostly Italian. Their pizza is really good. All their pasta dishes are amazing. I usually get a spritz when I'm there. Um, and next to it, same owners is Cheekies. They're really great for brunch. I uh, get a mimosa and then I get like a yam. It's like the yam sandwich. I'm a vegetarian, so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what I'm ordering. <laughs> that's a good spot. If you want a fancy dinner spot, go to Workshop Kitchen. It is so incredible. And the design of it is very minimalist. It's almost sort of brutalist, but it's cool. Like I can appreciate well-done design, even if it's not my style. Uh, mm-hmm, the food mm-hmm. there is just amazing. I would just order a bunch of apps, like try all of the apps when you're there. What's another favorite thing about uh, Palm Springs that you just love and and like to share with people? Me and Philip love going to tiki bars. And oh. that sort of tiki bar culture was so big during the mid-century era. And there's still so many tiki bars around the city. And it's just so fun. The drinks are so good. And the design is so vintage and eclectic. It's just such a fun environment to be in. Uh, go to Caliente Tropics. And this is also a like pool that you can go to without being a guest. It's a kitschy tiki themed motel. And it's more on the motel side, not like Trixie Motel where it's like high end, but they have a really fun tiki bar there called The Reef. And I know there's some history there with it being like a a famous tiki bar. And the pool there looks like you're in Hawaii. It's nuts. Get the (laughs) painkiller. I love painkillers. Go to Bootleggers um, for tiki drinks. You have to get a reservation, but the painkiller there is so good. And Tonga Hut's a fun one too. Oh, it all sounds so great. I mean, okay, so what's what's another favorite? Maybe another restaurant or maybe a cool place for fresh air. Dealer's choice. I really love to get coffee and sit outside. Like that's the perfect thing to do in Palm Springs. Ernest Coffee is really good. All these places, mind you, have a view of the mountain. So you go get a coffee and you sit outside and look at the mountain and enjoy the weather. So Ernest is a great spot to do that. Um, Coffee with a K, it's like a local chain. There's like three of them. I like the one, um, it's like in the middle of downtown. And then Cafe La Jefa, so good. They have like pink coffee cups and a gorgeous view (laughs) of the mountain. And that's the whole uptown design district area, which... I I haven't even touched on like all the design things in Palm Springs. It's amazing for vintage shopping. And the Uptown Design District is an awesome spot to explore really funky, colorful, unique uh, decor and design stores. Yeah, I was really impressed uh, with, uh, you know, some of those design stores. They're almost like, uh, I don't want to call them thrift shops or like, like antique shops that you go into on the show. And the stuff they have on sale there is just kind of like it blew my mind. It's like, wow. It's like, where did they collect all this stuff from? It's very curated. And there's so many cool shops. Some of them are really expensive. Some of them have really good deals. Uh, one of the sh- or shops we went to in the show is Rex, R-E-X. And that's in the Uptown Design District, North Palm Springs. I love that shop. The owner's super sweet. It's huge. They have so many different things. A spot that you'll find some more affordable knick-knacky type of things is Sunny Dunes. And there also is like three other vintage shops, like the Palm Springs Antique Mall. That was one of the stops in the show. Mm -hmm. That one's so fun. Just like multiple floors and rooms of just vintage. 
just really fun stuff. And then just like all throughout the town, like there's design stores and art galleries. There's a lot of cool art galleries. Desert X is a good time to go to Palm Springs. They do art installations all across the city. And I think it's like a month long usually. So that's a great time to go. And like they have a map with all the installs. A lot of them are great photo ops. That's really great. You know, Danny, I have to tell you, our producer Kate is actually listening in on our conversation right now. And I just got a note saying that she is super excited to check out all of these recommendations. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. We have so much to look forward to when we visit Palm Springs. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Danny Daisy is an interior, fashion, and print designer known for her work on the show Trixie Motel. Her website is daisyden.com. That's D-A-Z-E-Y-D-E-N.com. Of course, she's also on Instagram and TikTok at Danny Daisy, D-A-N-I-D-A-Z-E-Y. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and a lot more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Decades ago, Palm Springs was known as a hub for Rat Pack era crooners like Frank Sinatra. Well, that style of music is still played there today at Melvin's Restaurant and Lounge at the Ingleside Inn, where the musical director and legendary house pianist is Michael Healy. In addition to playing at Melvin's most nights, Michael also curates the jams with other musicians there every Sunday. He's been at Melvin's some 16 years, and his name was added to the Palm Springs Walk of Stars last year. Welcome to California Now, Michael. It's really good to be here. So great to have you. So let's start out with the history. Uh, You know, for folks who aren't familiar, what made Palm Springs such a destination for this type of music? And and why do you think it's still going strong at Melvin's today? Well, that's an interesting question, a very cool one. And if I knew all the answers, I suppose I'd be a millionaire. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I like to say that it's it's in the ground here. I mean, you know, Hollywood, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, Luella Parsons and... uh, some of those uh, gossip columnists uh, would follow the movie stars around and um, they didn't make much money, but they could be reimbursed if they didn't go any more than a hundred miles from the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, Palm Springs is 107 miles, give or take from LA. Uh, so stars were, were safe here or safer from gossip columnists and a, a great, great enclave to, to, you know, build your, your summer home or uh, maybe something for, Keeping little secrets, I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like a great getaway that was far enough away from Hollywood, but, you know, close enough that they could get back to the studio if they had to. Right. Um, and so what, the music kind of followed them there? Well, see, that's the, that, I guess that's the next part, is that we've had so much music. I mean, even at Melvin's, before it actually became Melvin's, Greta Garbo stayed there, Salvador Dali. Uh, the reason I'm bringing that into the conversation is because... Uh, the music uh, I play at the Frederick Low Estate from time to time. It's 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 in the it's in the vibe in the ground. It's it's everywhere here, and and I think part of it has to do with, you know, how do you, how does a culture become a culture? I mean, enough people do the same thing. We've had so many stars, but I, I like to believe that the valley and and the way it feels down here also it, it inspires the music, meaning it works the other way around as well. What do you think is magical about that era that, you know, gives it such staying power? People had, um, I'm, I'm going to say grace. That's a word I'm going to use. Um, everybody dressed up real pretty and looked terrific when they went out. 
and there was there was this grace there. Everyone looked good. Everyone sounded good. That was the way things were done in those days. And uh, I think that it carried over into what it produced as far as music and the arts and things on stage. We, you know, the whole, the whole thing reacted to it. You mentioned how like Palm Springs was an area where, you know, people connected with Hollywood, uh, you know, would go. Maybe people who, who played Las Vegas also would kind of make their way there as well. And I, I guess it's kind of a place where they could just get away and maybe take things easy, right? I mean, kind of let their hair down a little bit. Absolutely. And Soterios, you just, thank you, you just gave me a thought that I hadn't come up on myself, which is this was a great meeting point, uh, as you say, with the proximity to Las Vegas for the Rat Pack people, for Sammy and Frank and Dino and uh, any of these people to kind of meet up in Palm Springs and hang together at some of the spots uh, Melvin's not being the least, of course, that they were known to hang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about who comes to Melvin's. I mean, definitely, I would imagine plenty of folks old enough to have, you know, fond memories of this music, but also I would expect, uh, you know, some younger people too. Absolutely. In fact, it kind of blows my mind on any given night in that, um, yeah, there will be uh, older people who remember much of this and who live out, you know, have m- many memories there. Uh, and to, to do the spectrum, of course, there will be very young people who are very, very cool to entertain. And they'll they'll Google on their phone, say, you know, I don't know if they're Googling the era or whatever. But then they come up with a list of tunes from the Sinatra, uh, Tony Bennett uh, songbook and Great American Songbook and all that. And they don't know anything about Cole Porter, or at least I'm assuming they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't really matter, though, because they everyone's caught up in the experience together from the very young to the older people. And in, in the middle, uh, last night I had the, uh, well, there was a band called the collective soul hmm. that, uh, they were in last night. And hmm. we had a room with very young, uh, one lady celebrating an 80 something birthday. <laughs> and, uh, my friends from collective soul sitting in with me at the same time. So we, we've got this wonderful combination of people vibes all coming together in the moment at Melvin's. Very cool. Now, Michael, I know you're a world-class improviser, as we heard, as you played us in uh, during the intro today. Um, Can you give us a little bit of a flavor, maybe a medley of some of the piano stylings we might hear at Melvin's? Let's see what we can do.
nice. I mean, it really transports you back to that era. I can just imagine sitting there listening to you play, you know, uh, nursing my drink in my hand at the bar. Oh, we'd love to see you and we definitely have a drink for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, you know, are, are celebrity sightings a regular occurrence there? You mentioned uh, Collective Soul coming by one night. Uh, are there any stories you can share? Absolutely. Uh, Collective Soul, yes, is in town for a concert they did and popped in last night. Uh, there was about 10 of them, but at one point uh, I was on stage playing and uh, the bass player from Collective Soul, Will Turpin, was on stage playing with me. The drummer was playing rhythm on the piano and we were both all playing together, the room clapping along. Uh, <laughs> and as, as we talked about earlier, all age groups, people just loving it, everybody. And uh, it, it was a blast. But uh, yes, uh, Collective Soul last night. That's amazing. Any other big names ever join you on stage? Uh, recently played for Denise Williams. Oh. Denise Williams came in and uh, somebody came up and told me that she was uh, sitting over here. Could I uh, come by? And I did. And I was kind of not trying to, to make anybody sing. And I said, would you like to sing? Oh, I'd love to. I said, what do you want to sing? She said, God bless the child. I said, wow. okay, what key? She said, I don't know. I'll throw it. You catch it. <laughs> And we did. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so great. I mean, what's another celebrity story or memory from your time at Melvin's that just, you know, stands out? Uh, before he passed, Tony Curtis was in uh, and just a very lovely man. Um, Rita Coolidge was in some time ago, and she also was interested in singing. And I said, well, I know all your stuff. She said, I don't want to sing that stuff. I want to sing Crimea River. Huh. I said, all right, let's do it. And we did. <laughs> That's amazing. So you just don't, you never know what when you're going to work and for people who are going to Melvin's, you just never know. You might actually, you know, uh, get a performance of a Grammy Award singer or, you know, I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons that I, I try to remain musically fluid because uh, it sort of spills over into the rest of what I do. People say to me, what are you going to play next? And my answer is, I don't know. Because until, <laughs> until I sit down and feel what's happening around me, I'll know that. Well, you know, you really are kind of continuing a tradition of really cool, creative music in Palm Springs. It's so great that you've been able to, you know, keep the institution alive and thriving. And uh, it's you're really a cultural gem right there in the desert. Well, thank you, Soterius. And I need to, to say to that that it is also cultured me. Uh, I've been in Palm Springs about 30 years. And when I first played in Melbourne's the first time was about 29 years ago. You know, you, you, you go to do a performance. You don't know necessarily what the, the long-range um, ramifications of it are. And you do it, and you keep on doing it. You learn, you do it some more. And the next thing you know, you've become part of a tapestry. Mm. And you've learned more. Uh, and so as much as I may be responsible for whatever with Melvin's, it is responsible in growing me. That's beautiful. Michael, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, California Now. Any chance you, you might play us out one more song just to, you know, play us out here? Absolutely, and thanks so much for having me. Michael Healy is the master pianist and musical director at Melvin's Restaurant and Lounge at the Ingleside Inn in Palm Springs. Their website is IngleSideIn.com, and there's more about Michael at MichaelHealy.com. That's M-I-K-A-E-L Healy.com. 
As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. If you have 1015 on the back of your ticket, please make your way to the boarding area now. Palm Springs is home to the largest rotating aerial tramway in the world, taking passengers from the floor of the Coachella Valley to near the top of San Jacinto Peak. Well, this year marks the 60th anniversary of the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, and here to tell us more is Vice President of Marketing and Public Affairs, Greg Purdy. Welcome to California Now, Greg. Thank you, Sirius. Very happy to be with you. Thank you. So let's start with the experience. Uh, For someone who's never been to the area, what is the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway and where does it take me? Well, it takes you from the desert sand to the alpine snow-capped mountain. Hmm. Uh, Back in the uh, mid-30s, an electrical engineer here in town, uh, Francis Crocker, in the middle of summer said, boy, I wish we could go up there where it's cool. And thus (laughs) began a um, almost 30-year uh, journey to uh, bring this to reality, and it finally happened, uh, open to the public in 1963. But it was certainly an arduous uh, journey to get here. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that. How, how long is the ride, just to give people a sense of what it's like? About 12 minutes. Yeah, we can control the speed a little bit, but um, usually about 12 minutes. And then how often does it go up? Does it go up like every half hour or what's the schedule? At least every half hour, you know, we can pretty well turn a car around in 14 minutes and... Um, on a busy day, we can have several thousand people here. So it's um, it's quite an operation. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And I mean, in terms of elevation, it, it literally takes you up a mile higher, right? Uh, 2,643 uh, feet is the elevation at the valley station and then 8,516 feet when you get to the mountain station. So about a 6,000 foot vertical rise. And uh, I think it is the steepest tram in the world. Uh, hmm based on the angle it goes in certain places. And then uh, you can hike on up to the top of Mount San Jacinto, which is 10,000 and some feet. So a lot of people do that. Uh, The hiker fans will do that. (laughs) So as if the tram didn't take you up high enough, you actually can take the tram up and then hike another 2,000 feet up, right? So we're 50 miles of trails up there and uh, a lot of people go up to the top. So what, what do I see when I'm riding the tramway? Well, you go through five climatic zones that uh, basically would be what you'd see if you go from Mexico to Alaska. Flora and fauna change through each zone. 2,600 feet, we're still above the desert floor, so it's a little bit cooler here, but uh, the most dramatic thing you'll notice is the snow, Um, but the the, the change in temperature during the summertime when it's warm in Palm Springs, people can uh, go up to the cool forest and uh, just really escape the, the heat. We have a summer pass that a lot of the local local residents buy every summer. We have people that ride the tram every single day. Really? And, wow. Um, yes. So they uh, we have an annual pass as well. So those folks are, are, are very hardy hikers. And but in the summertime, just a lot of people um, have them for families to, to go up. You know, once a week or so. So we're 
kind of the escape valve for the <laughs> hot, hot desert summers. Yeah, it's kind of like natural air conditioning that you can just kind of get out of the desert heat when you want to and then come back down to it later on. Very true. Tell me more about these people who take it every day. I mean, are they are are they just like tramway aficionados or is it just really like just wanting to experience that different, totally different kind of environment, just like 12 minutes up the mountain? Yeah, one gentleman uh, decided to really change his whole lifestyle and uh, hikes every day in a t-shirt, snowing or not. Hmm. Uh, he's on the he's on the very first tram. You know, I see people that come up to meet with friends um, frequently once a week. They have little get-togethers and um, have a picnic outside the tram station or in the state park. Uh, there are people that love hiking in the snow. And boy, as soon as we get our first snowfall of the year, they're here every day. And um, that whole category of snow hiker is a whole different animal. It takes different equipment and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's so easy. A few miles up our road and you're on a tram car to take you up to the snow country. You don't have to drive mountain roads for hours. Mm, that's really cool. So t- talk to me a little bit about the five different kind of biomes that you pass through when you're going up the mountain on the tramway. Like, what are we experiencing? When people ride the tram, they go through five zones, as you said. And the first one is Sonoran. And that is... Uh, up, up to 3,500 feet, you know, you'll see barrel cactus and um, desert bighorn sheep and gray fox and that sort of thing. Then the upper Sonoran zone to 4,500 feet where uh, it begins to change. You, you see deer and some, maybe some mountain lions and things like that. And um, from cactus, you go to scrub oak and that sort of thing. Uh, then you have the lower and upper transitional zones, which is somewhat the similar uh, as the lower, but there are no bighorn sheep. And then finally the, um, upper transition zone and Arctic and Alpine. And that's where you'll see the pine trees and the snow coverage. And it becomes a forest, basically a mountain forest at that level. Yeah. It's pretty incredible that you can get all such a variety on just a 12 minute ride as you're getting up there. And then, so, so once I'm up there, like, what do I do? I mean, are there restaurants? Are there like, what can one do other than, I know there's a lot of hiking, but um, you know, if I didn't want to just hike is what else can I do up there? Yeah, the wonderful thing about the tram is uh, you you don't have to go out into the forest if you don't want to. Uh, It's uh, for people that may just want to go out and look at the view. There are view decks uh, both into the state park, the Mount San Jacinto State Park, as well as just a spectacular panorama of the Coachella Valley. You can see all the way down to the Salton Sea from here. So the the view is the thing for most people, uh, although hiking has become enormously popular in the last few years, particularly. We have uh, several restaurants. a waiter service restaurant, Peaks restaurant. Then we have a more casual cafeteria called Pines Cafe. We have the Lookout Lounge Bar, which looks out over the desert. In fact, it just got moved back to its original location during our recent remodel. So people can actually look out over the view while they're sitting at the bar. We have a uh, gift shop. And then if you go on down to the third level down, we have uh, two theaters down there that uh, one plays a film about the state park. Another theater plays a film about the construction of the tram and the history of the tram. And as well as there's a uh, state park uh, natural history association, a little shop down there, volunteers from the state park to answer questions. And then a wonderful little museum, which has a great video wall that you can, if you're not able to go out into the state park, you can actually uh, press the screen and see what the experience is like through videos and um, see what the hiking trails are. So there's a lot 
for folks that that aren't the outdoor type so it's really we attract a broad range of people i see in the winter people come up in flip-flops and i just think i apparently they're, they're not the hikers so they're gonna enjoy the bar i think but so. it sounds like you definitely could spend a whole day there you know whether you want to go hiking or want to you know do other stuff other than hiking yeah some people spend more than one day because we have six campgrounds up there they're, they're very primitive type campgrounds but um there's uh, snow snow camping and in the summertime you know Boy Scout groups and Girl Scout groups and things are up there, and it's a it's a wonderful place to enjoy nature for a whole weekend. How's the stargazing up there? I would I would imagine it would be pretty good. Yes, uh, at that altitude and the clarity of the sky up there, uh, there's actually our Natural History Association runs a series of, of spring and summer educational programs, and a couple of them are strictly about stargazing. They're very popular, and they do about twenty different programs up there in the summer. So it's a um, quite a view at nighttime. It's just so beautiful up there, day or night. It, it, nighttime is actually one of my favorite times. And the view of the city lights is like when you're on top of the Hollywood Hills looking down on LA. Well, it's the same thing kind of up here, but the air is even clearer. So it's um, we encourage people to come up any time of the day. That's amazing. Now, I hear going to prom at the top is kind of a, a rite of passage for people who live in Palm Springs. Am I getting that right? Yes, we just had a winter formal for one of our for Palm Springs High School up here. Uh, for decades, it's been a tradition about uh, schools in the Coachella Valley and beyond having their winter formals or their uh, proms up here. People say that their first time at the tram was when they came for their prom, and uh, then they come back years later as with their families. And it's just a wonderful tradition. Now I have to ask. I mean, since it is the 60th anniversary about the tramway's history. Um, let me start with what was the mindset when the people first set out to build it? Well, as I said, Francis Crocker was was the lead. Earl Kaufman also uh, was a desert pioneer, and he the two of them worked to make it a reality. Early on, they called it Crocker's Folly. And nobody <laughs> ever thought it, it would happen, but it obviously has worked. And um, the, the tram has become such an iconic attraction for the area. So, Greg, what can you tell me about the construction process all those years ago? Well, it was a wonderful era, and uh, America had uh, post-war America had this can-do spirit, and uh, you know, the tramway was built with slide rules and uh, twenty-two thousand helicopter trips. And people, people asking, you know, where do you want me to put that tower? And they put it there. The, the vision they had—I mean, the local uh, architects that were involved and engineers. Uh, in fact, two of our buildings were designed by practitioners of the, the mid-century modern movement. Um, Albert Frey designed our valley station and actually the gas station at the bottom of the road, which is now the visitor center. And uh, <laughs> East Stewart Williams uh, designed our mountain station. We recently completed a three-year, $13 million remodel of the mountain station. And I hate to even use the term remodel. Um, our architect, Chris Mills, knew East Stewart Williams and knew that era and uh, really wanted to remove everything that had been put into it since it was built to bring it back to more of the original vision. So uh, for architectural aficionados that particularly like the, the mid-century aesthetic here in Palm Springs, uh, the tram has two, well, besides the, the tram car and, and uh, all the engineering from that area, but we have two really excellent examples of, of the mid-century architectural movement here. Right. I mean, I love that the gas, even the gas station is like a mid-century modern jewel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're having a big uh, Albert Frey festival, I guess, starting later this year. And um, 
he's actually interestingly he's from switzerland and uh you know with our swiss engineering and we were our tram systems were manufactured in switzerland so uh, we, we often wondered if where that would connect up in switzerland if we were to trace it back are you doing anything special to to celebrate the 60th anniversary this year September 12th what is the actual anniversary date. We're not quite sure when we'll be having the uh, ceremonies um, acknowledging that, but it will be sometime in September. And then leading up to it, several months, we'll have you know, logoed merchandise and uh, kind of change our messaging a little bit advertising-wise, uh, let people know that this is a special year for us. And um, 60 years is a long time to be um, operating, and we're just very grateful people keep coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons to come. So, you know, it's like whether it's the trip up, the view, the hiking, I mean, there's a lot to do. Um, before we wrap up, what's something not everyone knows about the tramway, but they really should? Well, we've had for decades uh, a number of uh, special events that uh, are part of the tradition here at the tram. Uh, we have the Tram Road Challenge, which is a road race every October. It goes up th- th- three and a half miles up our road. Pretty steep in places, but we have a thousand or so runners from all ages, and uh, some of you bring their dogs. It's just a wonderful community event that people get here before dawn. Uh, we have our holiday choirs in December every year, and uh, these kids from our local high schools are incredibly talented. I mean, almost like Glee, the TV show, and uh, we, we've really stepped that up in the last few years with putting in a, an incredible sound and lighting system up there in the stage. So it really is a professional. Uh, venue space for these kids. And a lot of them have never been to the tram before, even though they live here locally. So we're happy to provide them with a trip to the tram and dinner and in exchange. They do t- two shows for us during the holiday season. It's just one of my favorite times of the year up there. Uh, we have the uh, junior ranger days, which happen uh, from uh, Memorial day through labor day. And these kids come up and with the rangers in the state park, uh, teach them about the, the nature uh, that the, that's all around them and the animals. And they get these little pins when they complete the program. Uh, Sunrise Service is a wonderful early morning event, obviously. And uh, the, when the sun comes up after the service, you know, we t- try to time it so the sunrise is just uh, when the sermon is done. And it's uh, just a spectacular sight from 8,500 feet when the sun comes up over the Salton Sea. So there are just a lot of wonderful events that have been here for many years, and we're happy to, to keep them going as long as people are enjoying them. Well, Greg, this has really been terrific. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. My pleasure. Thank you. Greg Purdy is Vice President of Marketing and Public Affairs with the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, online at pstramway.com. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to get your free 2023 California Visitor's Guide, showcasing the best of California. This beautiful guide features Jessica Alba on the cover and clocks in at nearly 200 pages. And it's full of amazing recommendations from all-access family getaways to an A to Z guide to California state parks. Did you know there are 279 to choose from? There's also a feature on 33 zero-cost activities around the state, from stargazing at Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles to a Central Coast elephant seal encounter. And speaking of free things, did I mention the whole guide is just that? All you have to do is sign up for yours at visitcalifornia.com slash travel guides. 
That's visitcalifornia.com slash travel guide.